Uh, Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is Friday, March 24th. I am Will. Oh, shit! It is, it is Friday, March 24th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. I am Will Anderson. And I am Charlie Clawson. Almost. Almost, Charlie. Cobwebs, mate. Just cobwebs. It's fine. Got to get a bit of touchback. That's all. I mean, you know the thing was, I actually practiced a little bit off air that time and it still didn't help. Yeah, but you practiced under our gaze, and I think that just made you a little bit nervous. You know what it was like? Um, I, I had this cab ride. I'm in Brisbane at the moment, and uh, I had this cab ride uh, from the Melbourne airport after the gala um, to catch the plane to Brisbane, and the dude, I, I'd had a big night at the gala the night before and been doing press all morning, and I was feeling a little dusty, and you know, sometimes, and when I say dusty, I don't mean Dusty Martin. I didn't have tattoos and just couldn't stop getting possessions and probably going to win the Brownlow. But I wasn't feeling very well. And so he started talking to me about footy. And he talked to me about when he coached his under-17 uh, son uh, in his under-17's grand final. And they're up against this team that they'd never beaten before. And what he did during the week was on the Tuesday, when they were meant to be training, he took them all out go-karting. And all the parents were like, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. This is not the way to prepare for a grand final. And then on Thursday, when they were meant to go to training and they all got there, he took them out to the arcades and they all played in the arcades. And then Charlie, on Saturday, that team came out and Mighty Ducks style, (laughs) they won that grand final. So um, obviously the secret is to not prepare. That, That was my problem. Uh, next time before we do this podcast, I will go go kart racing for an hour to take my mind <laughs> off it. <laughs> or at the very least, just take your rental car around the block a couple of times. Right. <laughs> I'll, to be honest, I'll just sit on a chair in here and pretend I have a wheel. <laughs> That'll do. I'm going to play Mario Kart. I'll be honest with you. I'm just playing Mario Kart. <laughs> Uh, but yes, anyway, uh, welcome to the podcast. We're going to keep it tight today because uh, we've both been pretty busy and we're just trying to squeeze this one in. But um, firstly, I'm here in Brisbane, Charlie, mm. which of course is where the women's, the AFLW grand final should have been tomorrow. I was, when I first heard that Brisbane had like got the rights to the home final, I was so excited because I knew I was here in Brisbane doing shows at the same time and I knew it was going to be on during the day. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be brilliant. I'm going to be able to do my show on Friday night and then on Saturday in the day, I'm going to go down and watch, I'm going to watch the AFLW grand final, have a couple of beers, you know, then I'll go and do my show again on the Saturday night. I was like, this is a great day, but it is not in Brisbane, Charlie. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I thought that the women's uh, grand final was down the road. I thought it was going to be at the Gabba and I was going to be able to go and watch it. And I was very excited about that. And uh, I am I am very upset that it is not at the Gabba. I think it's a real tragedy. And if you've been following any of this story from the US, like have you been across the whole why it's not at the Gabba? No. Oh, because of the, the condition of the ground. I saw Lethal sent out a very angry tweet. And I actually got scared for whoever his job it is to make that uh, ground in good condition because I'm like when lethal like pings you like we know what lethal does when you're a marked man well the the curator at the Gabba is a guy called Kevin Mitchell Jr not the son of the lead singer of Jebediah but um he's clearing that up (laughs) yeah just in case in in case any real Aussie music fans from the early 2000s have tuned in for this podcast and um yeah so basically um 
he loves cricket and he hates AFL football. So he doesn't respect AFL football and the implication has been through this that he certainly doesn't respect women playing AFL football. So after the Adele concert, which was like three weeks ago or something, he put in a new pitch because they, he laid all the pitches because there's like an ashes test there in November. And now the women can't play on the ground because they might muck up his precious grass for his ashes test in November. It's absolutely crazy. It's a real disgrace. I mean, Brisbane earned the right to it. And I imagine in the middle of Brisbane on a Saturday afternoon, you would have got a huge amount of people going out to watch that game, I think. You know what? That's the equivalent of like my mum had really nice uh, silverware cutlery that it was so valuable. We were never allowed to use it. She's like, we can't get it out because if you use it, it's going to get mucky. And it's like, well, that's like the point, isn't it? Like then you just clean it and you start again. That that guy's equivalent of my mum, my finicky mother. Oh, mate, it's the same. My grandparents had this room because my brother now lives in the house that my grandparents, you know, lived in. And um, there was this one room at the front of the house, which was the perfect spot for entertaining. It opened up into the garden. It was this beautiful big space. But that was their good room. And it had like white carpet and everything was really nice in there. Mm-hmm. So we were only allowed in there on Christmas Day to take one photo in the good room. <laughs> and then they shut the doors of the good room again. And we were not allowed back in that good room. Well, maybe you could have uh, compromised with this curator. Maybe he's like, all right, you can come out. You can play 10 minutes, four two and a half minute, four two and a half minute quarters. And you have to stay off the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think I've told you before of the day I played schoolboys football at Moorabbin and it was so muddy in the middle that they had to peg a space around the middle and if the ball just went in there, it was a dead ball. Maybe they just should have done that. I mean, they've already fucked with the women enough this preseason. Yeah. They probably at the end of it just go, oh yeah, by the way, you just can't go in the middle. We've <laughs> roped off the middle section of the ground. Well, even, I mean, that could be good for protection because I used to remember when I played footy at school, that first few games of the season coming out of cricket, you never right. wanted to go in the middle because you'd be sliding no. along like pitch. Right. Too hard. Yeah, way too hard. you do yourself hard. an injury. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, we could, if they just should have brought us, we could have negotiated this whole thing. All right, guys, here's what's going to happen. Here, sorry, girls, we're just going to peg off this in a square. Trust me, no knee grazers. You'll thank us later. <laughs> well, I mean, the girls have already had to play at the hottest part of the year. You know, mm. they've come into this preseason. They've been playing in some really you know, decent temperatures. They're playing a lot of their games during the day as well, which means they're playing in the heat of the day. Um, it's been really interesting to watch them play in like zinc cream and stuff. Yeah, I know. I love it. I'm look. really into it. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's just been so entertaining, but also. I mean, doesn't Gary, the, hang on, doesn't Gary Rowan cover himself in zinc before every game as well? Well, Charlie, as I discovered on grand final day, you're a person who observes, uh, Gary Rowan a little closer than a lot of other people. Why? What did I <laughs> you do? Know, uh, there was just, you gave me a diatribe about how useless Gary Rowan was <laughs> on grand final day and how unreliable he was. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I got to watch out for Gary Rowan. And you so eloquently convinced me of how he played and how he'd muck it up on the big stage. And then it was almost as if he had heard you and gone, <laughs> I'll prove him right. <laughs> He's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> I don't remember I mean, actually. I'm- I don't remember saying anything. I, I mean, I, I, now that you say it, it makes sense to me because that is the kind of player I see him as. Is like he, he's like a Reese Stanley. He tantalizes. He'll have a good game. And because he's got all these attributes, he's just waiting for him to bust it open. But yeah, it doesn't have the sort of 100% mental not there, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, I'd been fooled by the hype. 
I was definitely a Gary Rowan believer until you... It was like, you know, you were the person who pointed out the Emperor had no clothes. Yeah. Because up until, up until that point, I was like, oh, well, he hurt his knee and he's got all these attributes and I bet he'll, like, come good. And he's still very much may, you know. He's still yeah. certainly got enough ta- talent to do that. But it wasn't until that day when you were just like, you ripped this cloak away <laughs> and my eyes were opened and I was like, Charlie has nailed this. He is hopeless. <laughs> If, if you're in a team that has Hanabry and Kennedy and stuff, like, he could be a gun player at a team that wasn't Sydney. Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, you know, that's it. See, that's, like, where you see people like Zach Merritt, who benefited so much from, like, you know, Job and Dyson Heppel and those guys not being around to play in the midfield last year. And he truly established himself as, like, a top five midfielder in the competition, probably, which has only got to be a bonus when those guys then come back. Yeah, 100%. So what's your, who's your pick for the uh, women's grand final? It's interesting. I, I watched Very a little bit of the... Very closely matched. Yeah, I watched a bit of the Brisbane-Carlton draw. It was Brisbane-Carlton, wasn't it, um, on the weekend. And that was a really good game. And I, I couldn't tell if Brisbane had stopped trying, you know, as in because they didn't need to win in that game. And like Carlton sort of overran them or whether Brisbane are tiring a little bit as they get to the end of the season. Maybe they started well and, you know, gee, that Adelaide team is pretty great. Yeah. You know, they're just yeah. a really good team. They've got a lot of star players and they play such an attractive style. I reckon it'll be a great game. And they've brought in time on, extra time on uh, that they didn't have in the other round. So it'll be a slightly longer game as well. Um, that's really going to piss off the curator. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's at Metricon now, Charlie. Oh, yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, they've got, uh, this player, Taylor Harris Brisbane, who's awesome. Like, she's a really good mark of the ball. Is she an ex netballer or basketballer or something? I mean, probably. Yeah, like, that's, that's pretty, pretty much, they pretty much every time you look at one of them, they're like, yeah, she plays eight different sports and she's yeah. represented Australia in nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> she's won seven medals. And what have you ever done, loser? Yeah. <laughs> When he reads out their stats, they're pretty aggressive, aren't they? <laughs> She's represented her country in 19 different pursuits. Some of them in the arts, some in entertainment, and four different sports at the Olympics. Anyway, what have you done, you fat slob? <laughs> She's just taken time out from her PhD in civil engineering. In fact, she studies at quarter time. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> that should be their slogan for next year. You are unbelievably fat and lazy. <laughs> Uh, here we go Uh, Mike Hale's given us some information Harris grew up in Brisbane's northern suburbs and began playing competitive football for Aspley at age 5 okay well yeah you know what their um, club song was never gonna give you up never gonna let you down the Rick Aspley's right I lost you sorry oh fuck I just tried to rickroll you oh my god Mike Hale you have to leave all these mistakes in I think there's some unintended comedy in Will and I not being able to hear each other. Uh, look, I think this if this podcast is about anything, Charlie, it's about unintended comedy. <laughs> it wasn't actually that good a joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if this podcast is about anything, Charlie, it's about jokes that aren't actually that good. <laughs> uh, do you want to take a look? Um, we're going to do a... The reason we sort of got together to do this is we realised we hadn't done the tips from last week. And, and so we, weirdly, weirdly enough, Charlie, I had people hitting us up going, 
hey, could you do chips? Because I take them into account when I do my tips. And I was like, well, firstly, question your decision-making process about things. Mm. But secondly, okay, sure. Yeah. So, But but is it one of those things, it's a George Cassandra thing, where it's like, whatever these guys tip, I will do the opposite? Oh, you know what? I didn't consider that, but you're absolutely right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Our entire podcast is the kiss of death. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, all right. Well, last night, I predict that Richmond will beat Carlton. That's what I predict. And that is my lock of the week. <laughs> um, I actually didn't get to see this game. I just watched the replay today, the highlights. Um, it actually seemed quite close for the first half. You know, yeah, first half. I only watched the first half because um, I uh, went to see Tom Ballard do his comedy show last night, which was excellent. But um, I watched the first half on the walk there because I'm that sort of crazy guy who likes to walk through the Brisbane streets at night in unfamiliar areas by the uh, river uh, watching football on my phone. Yeah, I've got bad hips and no coordination. So it's lucky I'm here today. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> But um, the first half, even though Richmond were dominating, it was really free-flowing uh, free and, like, really entertaining football. And Carlton were definitely showing enough that you thought, oh, well, maybe they could get a little run on. Like, I yeah. mean, there's some good, they've got some good young players. They've we- got some Wittering, opti- Wittering optimism. went forward and it was pretty good. And he, and he got hurt early and still played pretty well, which I thought was a really good sign. So um, They actually played, uh, Carlton played better than I thought they would. I listened back to the first couple of minutes of... Um, uh, uh, last week's podcast where uh, we had, I, I was really down on Carlton, um, but there's, I, I'd forgotten. You actually mentioned in last week's podcast, they've got quite a good few good young players and I could sort of say, oh yeah, you know what? Like if they can snatch two or three, maybe four wins this year, they could be happy with that considering where they are. Yeah, I agree. And and particularly if you start to see things like Wiedering just standing up the way he is and if you see Cripps playing well and if they see Silvani and a few of these other young guys, I think they can really start to go, oh, yeah, there's a future here for us. It's not this year. I mean, I, I, I still don't think they're going to win a lot of games because I'm not sure that Richmond are as good as they looked last night, you know. So I, I still think Carlton is probably a fair way back. But, you know, I think there's some optimism there for Carlton fans. I don't know if it's just because... Um there's talk of like St Kilda going after Dusty Martin next year that suddenly it's like one of the, it's like a rom-com where you know my best friend was always just my best friend I, I liked them and I, you know I appreciate them but I never looked at them that way now all of a sudden you know I see like a 40 possession game and I'm like oh my god I think I'm in love with Dusty Martin <laughs> right right <laughs> absolutely yeah there's no doubt he's he's a an absolute jet Dustin Martin like roll gold A grade like one-on-one contested, I, I heard an interesting stat about him, which was one-on-one contested, since they've introduced champion data statistics, he is, has the highest percentage of winning one-on-one contests since they have come out. Like he, And the more they let him play forward, and that's what they can do with Prestia and these guys, mm. they can get him forward a bit. He's going to be damaging. That's what I actually had that exact thought when I watched the replay. I was like, shit, like one-on-one, like... What player, I mean, when I think about the Saints, like what player goes to Dustin Martin? Like, because he's just got that rare combination of attributes where he's like super strong, can play through the midfield, but then you put him forward and he's like having a third tall. Yeah, I, I'm starting to think that the reason that Dustin Martin won't talk about his contract is because he knows how good he's going to be this season. And he's like, <laughs> I might, he's like, I might stay at Richmond, but by the end of this, you think I'm worth this much now? Well, guess what? A few weeks from now, 
that price is really going to rocket. He is. I mean, he's just a. How's the old? Um, how good was it to see the torp back, mate? And eighty meters. Not only just the torp, the running torp. Like that was the barrel. That, yeah, that's a fucking like under fifteen kick if I've ever seen one. Just like get the ball and kick it as far as you can. That's all it was. It was just like you know what? I'll just kick it as far as two normal kicks. That'll do. That's you know what my plan is right now. I'm just going to boot it right down the other end. You know what? Then we can deal with it. Yeah, he was is phenomenal, and it kicked four goals. Is that right as well? Thirty three yeah, possessions, four. four goals, I believe. Michael can check that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. It's great. You know what's great about it is it's got Richmond up and about early, and we know that that is the like. Well, if you're going to start. Um, a film that's just a device called juxtaposition. So if you're going to do a story about, you know, uh, someone's fall from grace, in the opening scene, you're going to have them on top of the world, like, you know, just close that big deal, and they've got the beautiful wife and the big house and stuff. And we're trained as audiences to know, well, that's a setup for a morality tale. They're going to have, like, a, a, a fall from grace at some point. So the Tigers winning, great drama to start. Like, it would have been awesome if they had lost in terms of, like, what you read into that and the fun we could have made of them. But then I think we wouldn't enjoy it for as long. Like I want to save a Richmond season. And I think a team, a big win, a heart, uh, uh, like an inspirational kind of like heartwarming win against like sort of, you know, fairly low opposition is good because we can't get a gauge on them. And that just keeps them Richmondy. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Like I met a lot of people at halftime made the point that it was perfectly set up for a very Richmondy second half as Carlton <laughs> overran them. But that would have been like you go to see, you know, like sometimes, I, I'm thinking of like James Bond movies or um, uh, maybe even a Star Wars. Uh, Mission Impossible is a good example where in the music of the film, early on there'll be some stuff going on and they'll almost play the scene. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you kind of... And then you'll like, Just you play a few bars. Play dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then there'll be just finally a scene where like, you know, it just crashes in yeah. i feel like that's what richmond are going to do to us they're going to build up the excitement they're yeah. going to keep like getting us there going hang on maybe maybe yeah. they are a new richmond but the they're Rich running fast they're running forward we like it but the richmond theme will be the cur uh, the, the richmond song will be the th the theme from curb your enthusiasm it'll be like like you know what i mean like Richmond are 80 points up at half time and then they lose and uh, Dion Prestia knocks himself out on a goalpost and then as he's been carried off dum 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 Dustin Martin wins the Brownlow and then announces he's going to Gold Coast dum 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 that really could be the slogan for Richmond, couldn't it? Richmond, curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> In fact, that's what they should do. They should we're if they Tiger win games. Land. Now don't go crazy, we're from Tigerland. We'll disappoint we're you when you think we will win. We'll find a way to lose. We'll lose our full forward on a booze cruise because we're from Tigerland. We fuck shit up when we absolutely can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They should play, actually. So if they win, they should play the Tigerland theme. And if they lose, they should play the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme. <laughs> <laughs> and, they have to, and, and they have to stand around listening to it, like to kind of remember that they are so Richmondy. And if it's your first game and it's your first loss, they give you the Gatorade shower, but to the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme. <laughs> 
Hey, um, I just have to go and uh, let this person in. Can we take cool. a break for like five minutes? Let's have a pause. And also, I've got an extra 10 minutes, it turns out, that I thought I had. So okay, I've cool. got until 2.10 as well. Oh, so. brilliant. Okay, I'll be back soon. I'm just going to hang up the call. Should I, pa- should I yeah, pause or le- pause, right? Yeah, let's pause. Pause or leave it on? No, leave it running. Leave it running. Okay. I'm going to leave it running. Okay, cool. Um, all right, well, we should move on because we've got to keep this tight today. And, you know, I feel like we'll get back to Richmond. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like they're only going to tempt us for a long while. So there's plenty more in that story for the rest of the season. Now, um, t- tonight, Charlie, my, my dream, uh, it comes too soon tonight for me. That's what I will say. It comes too soon for me. I have so much enjoyed, uh, the last three months. And I'm, I've not been looking forward to tonight. I know mm. you're meant to. I know you're meant to be excited about the new season. I've been talking to people all week and they're like, oh, you must be excited about Friday night. But I'm like, no, because at the moment I live in this perfect utopia where nothing can actually go wrong. It's all done. Yeah. It's in the can. It's yeah. done. Perfect ending. And roll credits. Per- roll credits. Don't need to see another one of these movies. Why have you brought another one out? <laughs> <laughs> and especially so soon. We did not need a sequel so soon to the original. It's fine. I, I can actually rewatch that one a few more times before I need to see any new movies in this franchise. Hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over. That's what we're thinking, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because so, how, how many people pick Bulldogs to go back to back? No one. Yeah, see, that's, you know what? That's perfect conditions for you guys to go back to back. If last year taught us anything. Right. Will, no, you'll, be able mean, to do, I... you'll be able to do another inspirational voiceover they can use on Fox Footy <laughs> about people writing you off. You can start round one. <laughs> they said we couldn't go back to back. Yeah. But I called it bark to bark and I said we could. Catchy slogans. <laughs> that's what this is all about. Every year, just come up with one. I mean, obviously, we're favoured to beat Collingwood, but there was an interesting stat I heard this week. I heard this stat this week that will blow your mind. Uh, The Western Bulldogs have only won one home-and-away game in their entire history in front of a crowd more than 55,000 people. Wow. That's interesting because when I was on home-and-away... We only watched games where the Bulldogs were playing to less than 55,000 people. <laughs> a little bit of trivia for you. Yeah, and also Home and Away has only ever done one episode in its entire history that was watched by less than 55,000 people. <laughs> it was a really dark episode. They didn't put it on air. You can only find it on the dark web. <laughs> um, this will be a fucking huge game. Because you, know you know what's weird about it is... On last year's form, there's no way you'd even put Collingwood and the Bulldogs in the same bracket. But it does kind of feel like, I don't know, like, you know, they've got a good midfield. Buckley's got a lot to prove this year. They are big stage. As much as we hate to say it, they are big stage performers. Backs to the wall, as we all know. So it's a danger game. Round, round one danger game for you guys. Yeah, I agree. Cause you also don't know how good the Bulldogs are back yet. You know, we're a month behind other clubs you know, on pre-season and those sort of things. You don't know how much they celebrated. You don't know how much this new handball kind of, you know, kind of crackdown on handballs is going to affect us or the third man up. You don't know if we're just going to have that sort of premiership hangover sort of thing that happens. Uh, I suspect we will win. I think that Collingwood, you know, are not at full strength. Um, and I would like to thank some imaginary dogs for getting involved in breaking... Did, you, did that story make it to America? To Goey breaking his hand? 
Oh yeah, no, I didn't. It's funny. actually you. You were my uh, you were my whisper because I didn't hear anything about it. Then I saw you going back and forth with think, Pete Hellier on Twitter, and I'm like, what's this Dugowie thing all about? Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I like a faked injury. We've had some good ones over the years. Oh, absolutely. I love nothing more than a footballer doing themselves a mischief on the weekend and then trying to pass it off as a training injury on Monday. Yeah. And but, you didn't, didn't you love to, like, that Dane Swan chips in and it's not like, you know, it's, it's like he's still at the club. That's probably why Dane was never captains because of tweets like that, right? Right. Like, someone fucks up and he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, Got the rat awesome. back and left. <laughs> Hashtag rat pack. Hashtag never going to die. Hashtag Swanny forever. <laughs> Hashtag he's fucking strawny. Right. He is, isn't he? Swanny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Pete Hellier's new character. Yeah, Swanny. <laughs> um, yeah, this will be a bit of a danger game, and I am worried about it, but I think that the Bulldogs hopefully uh, will... Uh, get over that record. I mean, obviously, you played to a lot of big crowds during the finals, so they shouldn't be intimidated by the fact that there might be 75,000, 80,000 people there. Um, I am doing shows in Brisbane tonight, so I'll be on stage while the game is on, which is disappointing. But um, uh, Eddie Maguire uh, asked me to go to the game, uh, invited me to the game because it's a Collingwood home game. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, gee, I wish I wasn't in Brisbane. Because can you imagine going to a Collingwood game, like a Collingwood Bulldogs game with Eddie Maguire? That would be, that would be like one of those experiences. Yeah. When he asked me, I almost felt like I was a Make-A-Wish kid. I was yeah. like, have you found out that I'm dying or something? Because <laughs> you've literally, if someone says to me, you can have one thing, I'd be like going to it, particularly if I knew the Bulldogs were going to win. Going to a Collingwood game with Eddie would be very good fun, I think. I would force you to wear a wire. Like, I would make you wear a wire so I could listen back to what you and Eddie are going to talk about, especially if it's a tight game. No, if the Bulldogs are dominating, I would love to hear how that conversation would go down. Uh, you know, the funny one was I was in the studio the other day, the other morning, um, with those guys when Eddie found out because they had the most powerful people in football list came out. And Eddie was number two, I think, last year. And the new list had come out and he dropped to number six. And they, they found out. They came in with the news while we were on air at a break. And at the start, you, Eddie's being fun and funny with it. And they were kind of making fun of him. The fact that he's dropped from like two to six. And then there's just this moment where he's like, who are the others? And he gets them to read out the names. And Caroline Wilson was at five and he was at six. Oh. And he's... It was one of those moments where you were like, I, I'm glad I was here to see this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a pause now. I'll be back in two minutes. So I'm guessing you're not tipping against the Bulldogs. Of course not. No, Charlie. If they believe in themselves and I believe in them, I'm going to tip the Bulldogs for this one. What about you? I will also tip the Bulldogs. I think uh, I reckon Collingwood will give it a show because they're like big-time performers, but I just reckon... I, I think the Bulldogs still have the hunger. I think they still have the hunger and the pride. I can't, I can't see any hangover uh, coming from this premiership. They don't seem that kind of side. Uh, he, here's the other big talking point, of course, from this game, is it's the Travis Cloak Cup, of oh, course. Oh, fuck, of course. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, so... Did we get any um, official word back on what you had promised, like in terms of goals for tattoo? Did anyone no, think we haven't. I've, I haven't seen that yet. So. Someone, please get in touch. I need to know, because if Travis Cloak kicks 10 this game, then and it is only 50 goals, then we're only four games away from Will getting a Travis Cloak tattoo. 
Right. I mean, if it, if he gets too close, I mean, I mean, this is the nicest possible way, Trav, if you're listening. And please don't listen to previous episodes before you play it for my team. But I, um, here's what I would say is, if he gets close, I'm going to involve him in some sort of scandal. I'm going to get it, I'm, I'm going to get into punch an imaginary some, like, dog. Some kind of Tonya Harding's kind of incident where you like hack his knee with a pool cue or something. Mate, I will find where he lives on Instagram because I know he posts photos of that shit and I'll hunt him down <laughs> and I'll be waiting in the dark. Like, I'll bash him in the leg with a pipe. It'll probably straighten him up. He'll probably keep more goals. How about this? How about it? So just say whatever the agreement was, 50 goals, 70 goals, whatever it was, he kicks it, so you have to get the tattoo. But to sweeten the deal, Trav has to get one of you. I mean... On his bicep. Seems... <laughs> so it shows every game. And he's no longer allowed to wear sleeves for the rest of the season. What, why would he want a, a photo, a, a tattoo permanently on his body of someone who clearly doesn't believe in him? <laughs> <laughs> the fucking... To tough love to sort of motivate him. He's like, that fucking idiot, Adam Hills, doesn't think I'm any good. I'm going to kick a bag. Um, I think they're not going to use him as like a key target in the four or five goals sort of thing. I think he'll play a little bit in the ruck. I think he'll play, you know, kind of, kind of bringing the ball to the ground for the smaller forwards. And I think he'll do a good job. But I, I love maybe... that. I've heard that quite a bit over the preseason where they'll talk about like those big marking forwards. I heard a lot about Paddy McCartan and stuff. And it's like, Look, the thing is, as long as they give a contest and they crash the back, bring it to ground, it's like, so you're essentially, essentially saying that player is good as a lot, like a log of wood. <laughs> Just fucking throw it at something, see if it knocks stuff down and then walk through afterwards. Well, again, Charlie, I did suggest that you could do the exact same job with the statue of Ted Whitten. So, yes, that is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I tip the Bulldogs. Um, we'll move on to the next game, which yeah. is... Uh, now, this one, of course, is big for you. St Kilda versus Melbourne. Yeah. The two teams that everyone sort of uh, is tipping to be... If there's going to be new teams in the eight, it'll be probably one of these two teams. Objectively, you can go first because you have no skin in the game. Uh, I think this could be actually one of the games of the round, just in terms of like the contest. Um, what do you think? Well, I think they're both ready to go. I think it'll be a really interesting... Like, we'll know more at the end of this, I think, about how these two teams are going to go this season. Yeah. Melbourne just... St Kilda rarely lose at Etihad, and Melbourne can't win there. And that's the thing that I keep going back to with this game, is like, I know that those things eventually have to end, mm. but I'm not sure that it's going to be now. I think that Melbourne are getting St Kilda at the worst time that they could. They have, you know, a very similar game. I think it'll be a really... Close game. I think it'll be hopefully really physical and really fast. Super quick. But, it'll definitely be quick. But I think, yeah, I think St Kilda. I mean, I just back their record there, and I and Melbourne just hate that hate that stadium and hate playing the Saints. Don't you feel though there is a thing that like Melbourne have slowly in this very slow rebuild. There's been you know like such a kind of almost painful at times rebuild, but they've slowly, very incrementally just ticked off various psychological milestones along the way. So last year, there was a hint of that, you know, when they lost to Essendon. But I think that this is one major hoodoo that if they're serious, they have to overcome. So I think it gives them that little bit extra. I just sort of feel like not only are we teams who are sort of uh, viewed on, on the, as being on the same path, but Melbourne have that extra kick of you've had fucking four years of draft picks and stuff. You've got like, is it two number ones or at least a number one and a number two and, and then Petrarca as well. So they should, they should do something. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they cope with that pressure. I mean, I'm going to pick the Saints because uh, I always will. Um, but having said that, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose this one. 
Here's what I would like to see with uh, the Demons. You know, I reckon these two teams are on the rise, but let's continue this streak for longer. What I want to see is the Demons get heaps better, maybe even make the eight, but still not win against St Kilda. I want this to be the hoodoo. And then in the next two or three years when these two teams, you know, and so it gets to the point perhaps that St Kilda play Melbourne in the grand final and they still to that point. Now it's like 20 zip or whatever and St Kilda are playing Melbourne in the grand final and then it comes down to this idea of going, well, this team (laughs) has made it, has made it here to the grand final. Can they now conquer their grand Greatest nemesis in St Kilda. So, would you say that the Hawthorne Geelong hoodoo, that was kind of one of the most famous ones? That was, how many years was that? It felt like it was five years, at least 10 games, right? That just it was, it was a could long not time. Beat the Cats. The Kennet Curse. Yeah, the Kennet Curse, that's right. Well, yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, I don't know who started this curse. I guess it would have been in the era of Grant Thomas. Hang on, it's been 12 years. Can you just, um, uh, Michael, tell me what year it was when Melbourne last beat St Kilda? I've got a feeling it was 2006, which means that it would have been Grant Thomas's last year. So is it the Thomas, well, what's Thomas, Grant, Grant's, no curse, what's a curse pun? Thomas's terrible curse. (laughs) 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 It's the best I could come up with. Maybe that's why nobody talks about it in those terms. Grant's grievance. A... <laughs> uh, all right, we should keep moving, I guess. But both of us think the Saints will win that one. Um, Sydney versus Port at the SCG. This is probably a pretty interesting game. Port seemed to have a little bit of pre-season form and a bit of optimism. And Koshy's been saying they need to make the eight. So, But, you know, you're playing Sydney coming off a grand final loss at the SCG. I, I feel like that's going to be a pretty hard game for Port to win. Yeah, I reckon Sydney are breathing fire this year. Like, I think the way that they lost that grand final, they're, they're essentially... Um, who's the leader of the Cobra Kai? Johnny, right? Johnny mm-hmm. had all Sweeties the... like Johnny. Johnny had all the advantages, was glamorous, was fucking... Had a cool outfit and stuff, but then lost to the little scrapper, the little scrapper, uh, uh, Daniel son. Yeah. I reckon... And then... In, <laughs> oh, Caleb Daniel son. <laughs> <laughs> The little kid who looked like he could never play AFL. He was too tiny, yeah. but he found a guru in Luke Beveridge, a Mr. Miyagi type, who probably like made him read children's books and, you know, think about things in different ways. Yeah. And then finally, you know, they came up with the version of the, of the crane, which was handball club. Yes. And they so won themselves the fight. But you remember the opening scene of Karate Kid 2, which was, it takes place directly after the contest where, uh, 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 Daniel's son, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's Caleb Danielson. Caleb Danielson wins. Is that the uh, coach has got Johnny on the ground? He's going to punch his head in. He's like that angry. I feel that's John Longmire this year. He has Johnny from the Cobra Kai who underperformed against Caleb Danielson, and so they're coming out now. They're going to be worse than ever. You thought the Cobra Kai were bad last year. They're going to they're going to beat some teams up, like especially teams that resemble. Uh, the Bulldogs, at least, like as being the underdog, like they lost to a scrappy little nerd. So they're going to punch up on Brisbane. They're going to punch up on Carlton. Every nerdy four-eyed team in the league, they're going to kick the shit out of. Yeah, it's like it's a bit like Bloodsport or one of those like kickboxer movies where like there's always the bad guy who's going through the other rounds, just yeah. destroying just people destroying. on the way. It's Mr. But T, the start of Rocky Three, <laughs> the montage of the start of Rocky Three, where Rocky's on the Muppet Show and you know he's losing touch with the eye of the tiger. And Mr. T's he punches a guy so hard the guy flies out of the ring, and then he pushes the ref aside and keeps going. Like 
That's fucking Brisbane this year. They're Clubber Lang. Sorry, that's a... Gee, that Karate Kid metaphor did not work, but Clubber Lang in Rocky Three that works perfectly. Mate, like, this is how desperate, like, I mean, and hungry Sydney are. For the, they, they have managed to convince Tony Lockett to lose weight, which is something no one could get him to do in his entire professional sporting career. Like, this is, this is how hungry they are. Like, to demonstrate it, he's probably their talisman. They probably don't even get, get him to do kicking practice. They've probably just got him in to go, you know how hungry we need to be this year? We need to be as hungry as Tony Lockett has been for the last six months, losing 45 kilos. That's how hungry we've got to be. We've That's got to be perfect. a star. Every day you come out and you look at a starving Tony Lockett and you remember how hungry we are this year. We're as hungry as Plugger. Look at him. Guys, look at him. I'm, guys, I'm starving. Just... One pack of jam donuts, please. No, oh. <laughs> not until we win a premiership. He does not get fed until we hold up that cup on grand final day. Guys, I'm so hungry, I'm thinking about eating one of my greyhounds. <laughs> no. That's how hungry you got to be. <laughs> At the SCG too, I could see Sydney winning this by 10 goals. Port, I just have nothing for. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, if you know what? If Port come out and put in a really good show, even if they lose, but it's... By a couple of goals, I'll be more, I'll be impressed. But I reckon they're going to get, I reckon this could be a 50 point win. Yeah, I reckon Sydney will be ready to make a statement and then they've got us second round. So I oh, think they shit. just want to come, yeah, I want to, I think they want to come out breathing fire, get tuned up against Port Adelaide and then come and give the Western Bulldogs a smack on the nose that Eddie had in round two as we <laughs> unfurl our flag and ruin our night. That's what I feel like they want to do. Well, I love how you're talking yourself out of a round two loss and we're not even at round one yet. <laughs> See, football has ruined my life again <laughs> by starting now. The next game is uh, Essendon versus Hawthorne at the MCG. I reckon this could be really good as well. I might, uh, I, I, if it's actually three pretty good games. I mean, apart from Richmond uh, last night, I feel like any of these could go either way on the right day. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Apart from Melbourne, St Kilda, there's no, uh, who, there's no clear favourite. Like, you know, Bulldogs could lose to Collingwood and I could see Hawthorne going down to Essendon in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's some optimism. I'm really excited to see, yeah, how the players who have come back from the year off, you know, end up playing. And, uh, I think Hawthorne, you know, they don't have Hodgie, obviously, because they suspended him, uh, for the week. So, but I think with Roughhead back, they'll be pretty keen. And, you know, with O'Meara and Mitchell, they'll be keen to make an impression. I, I think Hawthorne are probably going to come out, play really, really well and look, Here's, here's, here's how we'll know how desperate Hawthorne are. If Jason Dunstall rocks up at the club mid-season and he's lost 45 kilos. <laughs> like if Clark, if Clark goes like, this is the only way that we can beat Sydney. We're going to get a guy who used to eat pizzas by folding them up and they're just eating them in his mouth. We're going to get down him and we're going to starve Jason Dunstall until you guys are hungry enough. Guys, I'm starving. Can you just give me a, a pack of frozen dim sims? I don't even need to heat them up. I'll eat them now. I'm starving. Oh, guys. Oh, I wish I hadn't thrown that Chinese food at Steve Quartermain in that box that time. I could have eaten it now. I'm, I'm starving. Uh, honestly, though, Hawthorne will win Hawthorne. this game, right? Yeah, Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawthorne. Interesting to see how Jaeger goes. I, I assume he's named. I didn't check the team list before, but I assume yeah, I believe plays. So. Yeah, that's an interesting subplot to this entire year, especially if Mitchell and Lewis dominate uh, in their respective games. The Jaeger Mira 
uh, performance will be will be more heavily scrutinized, I imagine. I feel like there's a fair chance it's going to be a win-win for everybody involved in that at the end of the day. And it just shows how good Hawthorne is because their win-win is equivalent. They lose two players, they get one back, they still fucking even out. Like, that's... That's actually a win, really, when you think about it. They lost two fucking guns and got a really good gun back, and they still played a similar kind of season. That's that's a Hawthorne win. Hawthorne is so good, when they win, they actually get 50% extra on their win. At Hawthorne, you never give her 100%. It's 150% every time. Well, Mike Hell, our producer, who might include some of this conversation at the end of the episode, but he has jumped on board uh, Hawthorne as his team, uh, you know, all the way from the USA. And he did say to us, yeah, have I got Hawthorne on a slide? And, you know, Hawthorne are never really on a slide. Hawthorne, you know, a lot, if you had like bought shares in Hawthorne 30 years ago, yeah, sure, there's been a couple of years where the mm. stocks went down a little, but yeah. that has paid paid massive dividends for you, and that has been a solid yeah. long-term investment over a very long time. Yeah, you have heavily invested in uh, Nick Holland shares, and uh, you traded in some Richie Vanderbergs. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, over the last 30 years, it's uh, it's been an upward trend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you had that breakthrough premiership with Quarf that you guys got to feel like was like waiting 50 years, and oh, it was like yeah. waiting... A year and a half. <laughs> uh, moving on to Metricon Stadium, the uh, the Tony Cochrane Suns <laughs> yes. take on the Brisbane Lions. Uh, what do they call it? The Q Clash. Q Clash. That's right. The Q Clash. I remember. Yeah, not the Quinton well, Lynch Clash. How, how could you forget the most important date on the <laughs> AFL calendar? Like to start the AFL round with the Q Clash here in Brisbane. I mean, what a day! Women's AFL Grand Final in the afternoon. And then afterwards, because I, I refuse to say the women's is the curtain raiser, because it's not. It's a yeah, great event of its own. Um, but afterwards, uh, then you've got this men's match. So if you're an AFL football fan and you want to make a day of it, like on Saturday, and you live on the Gold Coast, why wouldn't you go out? Why wouldn't you go to both? I mean, it just seems like a brilliant day at the footy, I would have thought. Um, it feels like Gold Coast should win this game. Yeah, I agree. But we sort of talked last week that they're a kind of consistently disappointing outfit. They never, you know what they are? They're even Stevens. They never like bottom out so bad that it's fascinating and they just certainly don't win, but they're always like, you know, oh yeah, there's a couple of good games. I don't think they will lose this game, but I don't know. Apart from, uh, you know what it is? Tommy Lynch, two meter Peter, Tony Cockring, <laughs> our favorite porn stars, all playing together for the first time. Um, I'm actually excited to see a uh, uh, Gold Coast with a fit, Gary Ablett again, but I still I feel like if they have a big win this if they have a big win this weekend and some of their top twenty draft picks that have taken a little while to come on have a blitz blitzing game, then I will suddenly take a lot more notice of them. But if it's one of those kind of arm wrestle and then they kick away by four goals at the end, I'll be like, ah, oh, it's the same old Gold Coast. So I think I need to see some magic in this game. Uh, here's what I'm going to say: um, as we know, Charlie, and we've always said on this podcast. Uh, if we have one rule, it's that all bets are off when it comes to the Q clash. I mean, there's just so much passion involved in this that, like, one of the teams that can be at the top and one can be at the bottom. But when it, it, when you run out on the ground on the Q clash, all bets are off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you well, know, it's, like it's the, made it... uh, the Q clash slogan. <laughs> <laughs> the Q clash. We forgot it was on two, <laughs> and it was round fucking one. <laughs> Um, 
Gold Coast will win this match. Gold Coast will win that match. Uh, Brisbane are going to have a tough season and Gold Coast are going to have a better season and it's going to start on the weekend, I believe. Moving on to Sunday, North Melbourne Football Club take on the mighty West Coast Eagles. Now, did you read any of that, um, uh, that commissioner's report into um, that? All of it. All yeah. of it. I read every single thing that happened there. I mean, okay. so a, now, lot, a lot of it I'd read before, but... Yeah, now that's the thing. Like, I actually reading it was... Because the way it was written, a lot of it was talking about how stuff was suppressed or, you know, brushed aside or not addressed or whatever. But I seem to remember, and this is like in, you know, the mid-2000s, where I don't think there was as much coverage of football as there, there is now. But I seem to be across all the stuff that happened, like through innuendo, anecdotally. Like I knew all the things that were sort of cited in this commissioner's investigation about like Chad Fletcher and, and Michael Gardner and Daniel Kerr and all these kind of things. Like, Well, that's, that's my thing where they always say in the articles, like, you know, the people behind the scenes are like, oh, we didn't know what was going on. And I was like, then how come the people on Big Footy knew what was yeah, going on? that's right. I live in Victoria. Just, I live in Victoria. Right. I remember I was working um, at the Lonely Planet at the time, the... The day, the Monday, the uh, Ben Cousins running away from the booze bus, uh, that story broke. Page two, or maybe they double page spread. The Herald Sun had done a big pictograph, which is like an aerial view of Perth, uh, with little icons like a like a car icon and then a little running man icon to show like the course that Ben Cousins had run to get away from the cops and swimming through the river and climbing the fences into the golf course and stuff. And then they had found this one, like normally when they're running a story like that, they'll have a little pick of the player. So like, oh yeah, this is the Ben Cousins story. But they deliberately had picked not his kind of team photo where he's like smiling, looking at camera. It was a photo from a game in which he's running away from someone. So the look on his face is kind of like, as if he was being chased. And that's what they used. So I had this pinned above my desk for like three weeks because it was like this awesome kind of poster, a map of birth of like a running Ben Cousins. Well, see, that's how long ago it was, Charlie. It was back when Ben Cousins could still be a funny topic. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. I mean, there was that time where we were all like, remember when there was all those Facebook groups and stuff like, I want to party with Ben Cousins? Yeah, and yeah. like, he got, he got arrested and he was like, he had I remember you and I actually tattoo. having a discussion where we said, oh, you know what, we're going to hang out with Ben Cousins. Uh, it might be kind of fun. Yeah. Seems uh, like a fun guy. Yeah. No. 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 No, that went, that went really tragic pretty quick. But what do you think it does to the club? Like, you hear that clubs are, are party boy clubs, but, you know, you get a new administration in, a new, a new team in and stuff. I don't think that's indicative of where the club's at now. No, I agree with that. And look, that team seems much more professional, but obviously it's come up in light of the fact that John Worsfold is, you know, the coach of Essendon and Essendon had this other drug thing and got suspended and people met, muddy up those two ideas of going, well, was Cousins Brownlow legit? Job had to hand his back. Why doesn't Ben Cousins, like they start talking about that 2006 premiership, whether it was tainted or mm. not. Now, now all those things are hard conversations to have but I think the one thing you knew and look I toured WA a lot during that time and you knew when you were there that they were just allowed to do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted that was more the thing it wasn't necessarily drugs was part of it but like drinking or partying or just like you know it, it, basically in Perth if you played for the West Coast Eagles during that time everyone was Gary Ablett yeah. To remember, you remember Gary Ablett used to just drive his car to places and then just like it ran out of petrol. So he'd just like walk off and like the car dealership would have to go and get the car. Like yeah. that was basically what it was like to like, 
It was like the West Coast Eagles own Perth and they had an open door to everywhere. That's what it was. I mean, that's funny. Like, I've never, I, in my time of going out, I don't really go out that much anymore. There had been occasions where I'd see like footballers at a bar or a nightclub or whatever. And I'd never really sort of seen any kind of like rock star behavior or whatever. They just seemed like a bunch of young blokes out for a drink, like nothing different to any other group of guys. But after last year's grand final, I went to a nightclub that was having the unofficial official grand final after party where it wasn't just the Bulldogs, the Swans weren't there, but a bunch of other players from different teams were there. And my God, like, it was like entourage. <laughs> like, so many beautiful women and all these players and the players were all getting fawned upon. Like, even like guys who'd played like less than 20 games, I was disgusted, Will. <laughs> I was like, you should play at least 50 games before models crack on, dear. But it was amazing. Like, I was like, I got a real insight into, oh, shit, this is what it's like to have the keys to the city. Right. You never have to pick up your own bills. People do your washing for you. There's a whole lot of that. But also... Comedians give you blowjobs in alleyways after the grand final. I mean, only if you want. (laughs) Um, No, the thing that you realise also is there's probably not a club list on the AFL where someone isn't or hasn't been doing recreational drugs. That's just the fact of it. So, yes, West Coast, there was an endemic culture amongst the club, but there's still those cases, I would believe. Well, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but would you believe that at every club on their list at the moment, there are people that who, in, in the off-season or during the season, would dabble in recreational drugs? Uh, I say you look at society, and whatever percentage of society dabbles in drugs, you could do a microcosm to the AFL. So if it's like, I don't know, 10%, 15%, I reckon that's the same in the AFL. Oh, look, and and we've been around enough things behind the scenes to have seen footballers and stuff who clearly have been taking drugs. Even if you didn't see them take the drugs, we know like what someone who's taken. We work in the entertainment industry. We've we've been to the Logies. We know what someone who's taken drugs looks like. (laughs) (laughs) So it is one of those things where you know I think it's probably a problem right throughout the competition, but. You know what they do with it. Anyway, we should. Uh, I've got to go oh, to uh, sound, sound check. Got away yeah. from talking about the, um, the Eagles Royal Commission. Adelaide versus yep. GWS. Adelaide Oval. <sighs> match of the round. Yeah, match of the round. Um, I think uh, Adelaide are going to. I know they've got their injury concerns, but I reckon home crowd round one's my lock of the week. Yeah, this one could go either way because Adelaide. I think these are the two of the teams that are really going to. Go for it. And Adelaide, you know, at the Adelaide Oval, round one. Be interesting to see how GWS turn up. Do they turn up like the team that everyone thinks will just automatically win the premiership? Or do they turn up like the team that was beaten by one kick in the preliminary final? Because if they turn up like the first one, Adelaide wins. If they turn up like the second one, uh, sorry, Adelaide. Yeah, if we're saying that Sydney uh, are Clubber Lang, then I reckon GWS are Ivan Drago. They are grown in a lab scientifically designed to lay waste to the competition. So will Adelaide be Rocky or will they be the opening month? Will they be Apollo Creed and get killed? (laughs) Forcing the Bulldogs to take them on in Russia. I think that's how it works. Um, What do you reckon? So you you think Adelaide. Adelaide. I'm going to say GWS. Okay. Uh, Over at Domain Stadium, uh, affectionately known as Penis Park, Fremantle Dockers take on the Geelong Cats. That's this one's really interesting to me, don't you think? Like, yeah, because I because I've picked Geelong not to make the eight, and I've picked Fremantle to improve. Well, so that's they, your, your that's your answer there, right? Well, I don't know. I, I still don't. I still think Geelong will probably be better than Fremantle at the end of the year. So, 
So it's like, it's a tough one. I, I, th- this is a really good round for the opening round, isn't it? There's a lot of games here that it's, it's hard to way. pick. Yeah. And Frio, Frio at home, Nat Fife back. Um, Hang on, did we, last... pick a, did we pick a winner for North and West Coast? I don't think we did. I mean, it's West Coast, right? Oh, I think we skipped that whole game. Uh, no, we talked about the commissioners about report. The drugs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Here we are saying, everyone should embrace the club for who they are now and move on. For the, and then we don't even fucking talk about their game this week. Uh, West Coast Eagles, I think, yeah. will win that. Easily, yeah. easily. Um, they don't travel oh, you know well, what? though, but if they, it's at Eddie Had. Yeah, you know what? I, don't, I said easily. I reckon it'll be like a, I reckon it'll be three goal win to, to well, this fairly we'll, close. We'll get a sense of what sort of Eagles we're going to see. Are they yeah. going to be able to travel well and like, you know, beat up on teams or are they going to still struggle away from Perth? Could North Melbourne surprise you? Yeah. I mean, they would surprise me if they win. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. <laughs> uh, back to Frio and Geelong. Um, I'm going to yeah. pick Fremantle in this game. I think Fife's back. Um, he's the hottest man in the AFL as confirmed. Um, by that photo of him with a beanie. We got, shirt we got some mixed man. feedback about that we online. We did get mixed feedback. <laughs> but, uh, everyone should check out the photo. Just Google, uh, Nat Fife shirtless brown low beanie, big brother house, we think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to say, oh, gee, this is a hard one, but I'm going to say Fremantle as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Fremantle. You haven't Start given, your, well. you, haven't, you haven't given us your lock of the week. No, I, I, my lock of the week was, uh, Richmond to beat Carlton. <laughs> that's shit I thought you were joking but no, uh, fair no we, we, haven't, we haven't actually written the rule book on lock of the week so uh, I'll give you that one Will you've bested me once more if you're listening to this in the past that's a good tip <laughs> um, alright you should go because you've got to get to a show yeah. or something Hey, um, can I just do a couple of quick plugs? I'm on tour. My new show, Critically Will, is touring all over Australia. But also my special, Fire at Will, is now on Stan. If you have Stan, the streaming service, you can watch that. Uh, it went up um, today. And also I hosted the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Gala the other night, and it's on the ABC April the 2nd. So there you go. Heaps of stuff. Um, I've got nothing to plug. Uh, go Saints. By the time you hear this, I hope there's a win. Uh, all right, and then what you say the sign out, right? Ah, okay. Play on, not fifteen. <laughs> Ball. So we fucked up the start and the end. <laughs> yeah, we like but, the bookend. But in, with... but in between, there was some quality content. <laughs> Good when evening, we hear, when we could hear each other. When we could hear each other. We are to go.